I'm Ethan, and welcome to a special Big Burt podcast. Today, we're talking fandom. I have to say, I hate that word, by the way, fandom. I don't know who came up with it, but yeah, I don't like it. I've used it now, so we're going to stick with it. Anyway, yes, we're talking fandom, specifically City fandom in the post-takeover modern age. Now, we did a couple of podcasts like this around when the Premier League charges were announced. Um, and they went down well, and it's an interesting topic of conversation. So today, me and Mr. Howard Hawkin are going to a little bit have our own say on modern city-supporting fandom. Now, anybody who is offended by Big Burt agenda chat should probably turn off now, because there's probably going to be a lot of Big Burt agenda chat. Morning, Howard. Morning. Trimmed, trimmed the moustache, ready for this. Splendid, splendid, splendid. Me too. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in full Burt mode. I, I almost, I say almost. I almost decided to listen to a couple of rival podcasts this morning just to get the, get the juices really flowing. But mm. then I thought I don't really need to do that. I, I, mm. I can hate without being reminded why I hate to put it bluntly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a lot of you know I've written a lot of stuff down for this agenda. Even though you're, if you're hosting, they'll want to make it a joint thing. But I didn't really think much about rival fans. You know, it's about the media. Or it's about being a city fan, and but I guess rival fans will come into it because it is part of that horrible word you said in the intro <laughs> that you don't like. Uh, yeah, being a fan and the modern age of social media, I think it's all relevant to the chat we'll have today. And how better can you, how can you make the experience more enjoyable in a way, which is a first world problem if you're a Manchester City fan, considering the decade we've just had. So, yeah, there's a, what I really wanted to do this and not be like, oh my God, everyone hates us type podcast. But I <laughs> went, I, when I change phones, it, you know, the cloud sends everything over with it. Yeah. So <laughs> I just went into my gallery to look for one thing, you know, that screenshots. Because I'll screenshot yeah. anything like a recipe or just something, you know, just to like a bookmark it, basically. And there were 7,800 screenshots in my phone. And I went, wow. oh my God, this must go back a decade. And of course, I started scrolling and some of the stuff in there is... Uh, oh, Howard. And we I'm ain't gonna got time. On I'm going to say on air... That coffee book is coming out of uh, the media coverage of City, but... Has to happen. But... Has to happen. Yeah. We need to call the lawyers, see what we can do, but we need to make a coffee table book with all of those headlines that go back a decade. But, um, yeah, but ultimately it wasn't, it wasn't just about City. It's not like, oh my God, everyone's got it in for City, blah, blah, blah. A lot of what I want to discuss today is just the general standard... And it's such yeah, a vague they, they, thing. It's such a vague thing as well because the industry's changed and that's mm. another thing I'd like to get into. So they, they they all feed into each other. But look, just to just to kind of kick off, um it's a question I asked the others when we did these podcasts. Um how does it feel to support City today? And more importantly, do you remember your city supporting life before the takeover? You know what? I'm not sure I do remember it perfectly. I think we've all got an idea of what it was like. Like, oh, downtrodden, gallows humour, blah, blah, blah. And we all have memories of games. But 
actually knowing what it felt like day to day in your head. I'm not sure we do. I'm not sure we do remember. And I've said many a time that being a City fan now is tough. And imagine saying that to a fan of Rochdale, Oldham, a Berry fan whose club isn't even there anymore. You'd be you know, laughed out the room at the nonsense. You know, it's a real first world problem to say, God, it's it's tiring and fatiguing to be a City fan because we never had it so good. We won the lottery 15 years ago now and were spoilt. But it, as we will get to, it can still be a very annoying, frustrating and stressful experience being a City fan beforehand. I think it was, despite the fact that I would get very down at weekend. I, you know, still the way, but I think I'm better now. I would be very down if City lost the football match. I'd be in a strop for the rest of that day. So if City lost on a Saturday, and of course they lost quite a lot, uh, I'd be in a bit of a mood that Saturday night. And you know, alcohol may have helped, but <laughs> it was still. I'd, but then you'd move on. There'd be no like three day post-mortem or anything because life was different then and I honestly feel even without the takeover being a fan now is just totally different because of social media because of the internet because of how we consume football so I think beforehand I think you appreciated the highs more because they were so rare and now now it's like winning games is just a par score a lot of the time but I also felt you got over it a lot quicker in the old days because you didn't consume football in the same way. It wasn't just piped into your head 24-7, which if you use social media now, is how you live your life. It, there's no escape in it. I mean, we've done podcasts after City have won a game, and I've got up in the one ago, and I really don't want to do the podcast today. Nothing personal. It's just like I consume football so much that sometimes you need a day off, and it feels like you never get time off from football now. So Elon Musk might be doing me a very big favour <laughs> by destroying Twitter. Maybe he should take over other social media platforms as well and destroy <laughs> them. Because honestly, when I don't go in Twitter for four hours, I don't think about football and whatever city's position is at that time. You know, they might have just won five in a row. It's a less stressful experience because if it's not football... There's a hundred other things going on in the world that annoy you as soon as you go on there anyway, and then football just tie, ties into it. So that world before the takeover, I think because you got used to the fact that you have probably thought City would never win anything. I really did feel that by some point. By the time Keegan went, I thought, well, he's given us some good times, but still, we're not breaking through the ceiling, are we? We're not getting into that top four. Our only chance is we might be able to win a, a cup sometime, because you, know, you don't have to be the best team in the country to do that. I think it was easier because you'd settled for your place in the world. The underdog, United win everything. It is what it is. You know, I don't regret a thing. This is the team I chose, and this is the life I will lead. Bizarrely, when expectations went up, the stress went up as well, I think. But it does tie in to how we consume football nowadays, I think. What about you? Um, <laughs> so I should start with the positive, which is that I absolutely love how good City are and how good City have been. And I have no problem whatsoever with 
the the kind of high wire act that expectation brings i think for me the key word is expectation uh, i remember the city very very comfortably i remember supporting city before the takeover it it was quite a i don't, I don't want to say like a badge of honor but it was i really enjoyed it, it even mm. when we were shit it was enjoyable for me why was it enjoyable maybe the difference maybe the difference between me and you howard is that um i probably didn't take the defeats so bad because losing was more regular than winning um so it just became like city being a city supporter for me was about marginal gains right so you'd watch a game and Steven Island would do something amazing or a player any player would do something amazing and you'd in your head you'd start thinking oh well he could be this good and if he's this good mm. then and it just you'd kind of it almost be, it it almost it's like a fantasy in a way that you that you're dreaming about what these limited players could achieve so that that made it it wasn't as difficult as you've described your kind of you know the idea that it ruined my mood look losing a derby ruined my mood yeah um losing home games often was annoying for some some time um but in the main i was okay with with where we were um i i wasn't somebody who i felt as though um get when we got promoted under under keegan we'd arrived yeah mm. and 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 sven the the Thaksin sven yeah. thing it just felt like or that felt almost more like a lottery win than mansoor did because when mansoor happens we've had a year of Thaksin. do you know what i mean so we've had a year to begin to take what was a really tiny dream of what it mean what this city team could be what the club could be under the new stadium in the new stadium and then Thaksin comes in and that gets amplified by 10 because he talks big and he brings Sven in and nobody ever thought that a guy like Sven Gorn Eriksson would manage shitty so I almost felt that that had a much bigger impact upon me than Mansoor did because I think when Mansoor happened it just felt a little bit like oh okay so we're gonna buy even better footballers than bodging off and 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 the and the group that we'd bought and Alano and come on I mean like when Alano was playing for City I was going I'll never see a player that good this good play for City again we hmm. this is insane do you know what I mean I, I started thinking how long can we keep him before he's gonna get flipped somewhere else so so when when Mansoor came in it was more of a for me it was more of a case of okay so we'll we'll buy more better players now um I don't really think that I I think I was probably very similar back then I'm talking about the end of Shinawatra um as I am now in terms of how I support so yeah I think back then I was a little bit you know it was I feel as though I, I get a bad rap because people will go you're a happy clapper and then other people will go oh you're so negative right and and I feel as though back then it was quite similar. Mm. I, I I was 
an eternal optimist, but then I also try to think um, critically about certain aspects or elements of, of what was going on it, at the club. Yeah. It's so, hard to compare the two because I was also younger then. So your fan exactly. experience in your 20s is different to what it is as exactly. I approach my 50s. Mm. You know, so there's, I mean, some fans obviously have only known success. Uh, and it's, it really has, that takeover and success has really split my life into being quite young and middle age. So, <laughs> and of course, we were never, we were rarely, yeah, for quite a while, we, we'd switched, it was such a roller coaster ride. You'd switch positions, uh, switch divisions, sorry, season after season after season that you went from highs to lows, highs to lows. But my answer left out one key thing, which is experiences. Uh, and when I talked about it being stressful being a City fan now, I'm just talking about day-to-day, going online, doing this and that. But also in the last 12 years now, I've had experiences as a fan with fellow City fans, and that can be in your pub, it can be just on your Twitter timeline after a big result, it can be at Wembley, it can be at the ground, that I... I wouldn't say I dreamt of them because I couldn't even have imagined those ex- experiences happening because they're actually experiences that other successful fans haven't experienced, you know, from the Aguero goal to coming back against Villa to those tight title races to all those things and just experiencing Wembley like 20 times. You know, those sort of things, I it's hard to appreciate that they've all happened really because it's trickled into... Because our psyche's changed completely in in one day, really, about 15 years ago. And mm. the, the beauty of that takeover on the day was like, we all love transfer speculation, don't we? The actual first thrill of that takeover was like speculating about footballers. Yeah. Not about winning stuff. It's like, ooh, let's go for this. Let's buy him. Ooh, we've been linked with so-and-so. That was the first thrill. And then we started getting better and better. And you had to change your whole outlook on your football club which I think some fans are still struggling to do, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I do think there's, there's a, you know, there's, there's certainly a divide between some older supporters and, and some of the younger supporters. Um, I've got a question. I think you framed it quite nicely in, in, the, in the agenda. Um, would, would things be different if we... You know, people talk a lot about the idea of the level playing field and how, you know, whether it's oil money or it's American money or it's the Champions League or whatever it is, that ultimately football would be better, would be more of a utopia, would be nicer if there was a level playing field. Um, So before we even get into, like, what... How does that happen? Like, how how do you do you understand to to you the idea, the notion we should have a level playing field? Because to me, Howard, they're just words, yeah. like completely meaningless words. Yeah, S- saying I want a level playing field in football is a little bit like saying I would like uh, more salt in all chippies. Like it just. It, Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. 
to listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more. Go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.